Youth, how you doing? You well? Uh, you made it to youth tonight, which is always good. A special welcome if you're new. Come on, let's clap for all the new people. I'm seeing these uh, neon glasses. What's going on here? We just decided to wear neon glasses tonight. That's great. I love it. You look incredible. Well done. That's awesome. <laughs> all right. We are going to continue our series on confronting compromise. But good thing is we have cruise tonight. Cruise, hello. You love your crew? <laughs> you love your crew leader? Hey. Uh, there it is. All right. Second Kings 22. We're going to read about seven verses. Second Kings 22. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidiah, daughter of Adiah. She was from Bozketh. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father, David. I want you to underline that, highlight it. We're going to get back to that. Not turning aside to the right or to the left. In the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary, Shapam, son of Azal, the son of Mushalam, to the temple of the Lord. He said, go up to Hilkah in the high priest and he and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeeper have collected from the people. Have them repair the temple. Have them entrusted to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple. And have these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord. Verse 6. The carpenters, the builders, and the masons all have them purchased timber and dress stone to repair the temple. But they need not account for the money entrusted to them because they are honest in their dealings. Hilkah, the high priest, sent to Shapam, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shapam who read it. Tonight, I want to talk about the expectation of compromise. Let me pray for you. Father, we are so thankful for just the short amount of time we have together. But God, I know you want to speak to us through your word. God, for each student here tonight, I pray that you would bless them, God, that as they go into cruise, God, that walls would come down. God, that they would be honest and open with where they're at in their life and in their faith. God, I pray that they would leave encouraged and built up in you. God, we're grateful that in you our best days are ahead. God, that you have a plan and a purpose for each one of us. And God, we trust you with our future. Let us not be given over to fear and anxiety, God, but let us trust in you. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Everybody said. Amen. Amen. I think you need to clap for yourself for being here tonight. Clap for yourself. It is a beautiful day, 80 degrees, and it's, is it spring break at your school? No, not at yours, yes. It is yours, great. And you're at youth, so well done, fantastic. I love this time of year, springtime. You have allergies? 
You do? Who has allergies in here? Yes, good. Me too. My hand is lifted. When that pollen, when things start getting green, I start sneezing. Eyes get watery. It's disaster. Snot all over the place. Yeah. Anyway, um, I do love spring, though. You love spring? Yeah, spring's great. You love spring. Spring's the best time of the year. Spring is great. I love spring for a lot of reasons. One, it's warm outside. I hate the cold. The cold is the worst. If you like the cold, I'm going to pray for you because that's crazy talk. Right, you like the cold? Oh, okay, I was going to say, I thought you were, you were a cold guy. I said, that's weird. Um, growing up, though, I, I think one of the reasons why I love spring so much is uh, growing up, my dad heated our house with a uh, wood stove. A wood stove. Anybody have a wood stove in their house? Yeah, a few of you. No, you do, actually. Wow. And it's like used. That's how you heat your house. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> He said he doesn't like it. So, uh, growing up, though, it was a wood stove. And uh, so basically how it was is uh, it would be incredibly hot late at night when the wood stove got filled. And then about 5, 6 o'clock in the morning, it'd be freezing because the fire would die down. And basically all fall and all winter, I would be outside splitting wood. And, like splitting wood, like with a little crank thing, with an axe, you split wood, and we'd have this huge pile of wood, and we had to wheelbarrow the wood up into the house. Like this was what was expected in our house. I remember one time I was at a friend's house, drove my bike to my friend's house, and we're hanging out. Hey, we're having fun. We're having a good time. I get a phone call from my dad. Brian, come home right now. I'm like, you ever get that phone call from your parent or your guardian or whoever you live with? They call you up, and they're like, come home. Uh, uh-oh, what did I do now? This isn't good. So I get that phone call. I'm like, uh-oh. You know, I'm nervous. I'm like, what did I do? What am I getting in trouble for? What's going on? I go home. What, why did I get called home? I had to split wood. <laughs> I had to split wood. I don't get to hang out with my friends. I have to split wood. And so that was the expectation in my house. The expectation is that you're going to work, that you're going to split wood, that you're going to help heat the house in the winter. Another expectation I had in my home is that I would be in church on Sunday. Anybody else in that have that in their family? You are gonna, you will one day appreciate that. I promise. And in Jesus' name, you're gonna do that with your family too. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so I, I'm grateful for that. But I have to be honest with you. Before I was a Christian, Lily, and I would have a, a sleepover with a friend. Uh, you guys like sleepovers? They're the worst. I'll be honest with you, they're the worst. I always hated them. I don't know why I ever did them. You'd sleep on the floor, and if your friend had a dog, there'd be dog hair on the carpet. And so you would, it was awful. I remember one time I got, uh, I got sick at a friend's house. And this is bad, but I got sick at a friend's house, and uh, stomach was bothering me, and uh, didn't make it to the bathroom. I just threw up on his rug. This is terrible, I know. <laughs> I threw up on his rug, and uh, like I said, I wasn't feeling well, and so I just put a pillow over it. <laughs> this was a long time ago. They're judging me, April. I feel it. It was a long time ago, okay, before I was a Christian, before I knew the Lord. Anyway, he just texted me later, and he was not happy. He knew it was me. <laughs> what am I talking about? Okay, sleepovers, right? And so you would sleep out, and then Dad would call me in the morning at like 6, 7 o'clock, be like, Brian, let's go. I'm picking you up. We are going to church. 
and expectation. You have um, maybe expectation in your family. You might have external, let's just say external expectations from other people, whether it's your friends, whether it's your family, whether it's your parents, your guardians, your grandparents, they put expectations on you. But you also have exter- internal expectations where you're going, hey, th- I know that there is a certain way that I, I want to live. There are th- certain things that I like. There are certain things that I do. And so you put internal expectation on yourself. But tonight I want to talk about this idea of external expectations. Let's just call it maybe, it's called peer pressure. Maybe you have external expectations from your friends. And for some of you, you've been friends with people for maybe some time now, and the way that you used to live is no longer the way that you now live. You now live a life that is honoring to God, but your friends, man, they haven't caught up yet with the life change that you've experienced. And so there's an expectation that they're putting on you, a peer pressure that they're putting on you. So maybe the expectation for you is still to party. Maybe it's still to live an impure life. Maybe it's still going out on the weekends. Maybe it's speaking a certain way, gossiping, cursing. I don't know, but that is no longer the way that God has called you to live. He called you to live holy and different, but you still have that peer pressure and that expectation externally from people in your world. Listen to what it says in verse 2. It says, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Now, David, King David, we often talk about him, the guy who slung the stones, took out Goliath, the one that cut off lion's heads. I mean, I mean, the mighty warrior David. That is not Josiah's biological father. That is, that is not his, his quote-unquote dad. His dad and his grandfather were two of the most detestable and wicked men that, uh, that uh, Israel ever had as kings. Their names were Amon and Messiah. Amon and Messiah were his fathers, and the scripture describes them as detestable and wicked, not good men. They ruled with an iron fist. They weren't loving. They weren't caring. They weren't full of grace. That They ruled their people in such a way that was dishonoring and displeasing to God and to the people. And so when Josiah shows up, Eight years old. Let's just be honest for a second. Could any of you imagine being a king? Let's just say if uh, they were like, hey, you want to be president of the United States? Uh, no. Right? Like uh, eight years old, you're king now, and this is Josiah. He gets set up as king after his father, Amon, who is a wicked, terrible, detestable, deplorable king. Not God-honoring, he would make idols to false gods, and he would rule terribly. And so there was probably an expectation that Josiah was going to be an awful king because of his family. Because what, I've, what, what, but what came before him. But that's not the life that Josiah is going to live. There was an expectation from his, his dad, from his grandfather, But God was calling him to do something else. I don't know what your family looks like. You might have a very different upbringing than mine. I don't know what the expectation is in your house or in your family or 
with your friends, but I know that God is calling you to something else, to honor him, to put him first, to be loving and graceful and honoring. I don't know what your family looks like or what your parents are like, but I can tell you this, you are called to honor them. You're called to respect them. I think oftentimes that we could have this life change in your lives, but like if those closest to you don't realize it, that your parents aren't the ones who are closest to you, your guardian, and they're not seeing the difference in your life, that's where it matters. We talked about it a few weeks ago or last week when no one else is watching, what kind of character do you have? What kind of integrity do you have? I don't know what the expectation is in your house, but I know that God has put an expectation on us as the people of God to live holy lives, to look to him, to honor him, to love him, and to love people. Amen? When the king, verse 11, says, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. Now that was a sign of repentance. It was a, it was it was, um, it was that the expectation wasn't going to be what was in the past. It wasn't going to be from what people put on him. It was going to be that he was going to honor the word of the law. In your life, my prayer for you is that you don't get expectations from your friends. You get expectations from the word of God. Just, he's having this revelation here, and I love it because he's going, hey, we're going to rebuild the temple of the Lord. We're going to honor him in worship. And then he gets the book of the law, and it's almost like they find it in the temple because the temple has been forsaken for generations, and yet they're coming back in this generation. Let that be a word for us, that maybe the past generations haven't honored God, haven't loved God, haven't put him first, but let us be a generation that says, you know what? We're We're going to worship Jesus. We're going to love people. We're going to honor his word. That's what God has called us to. Man, Josiah, (laughs) Josiah, there's there's been a, 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 a pattern. And Josiah breaks the pattern and says, you know what? I'm going to honor God. I'm going to serve well. I'm going to love well. Man, there are so many different expectations in the world today on the internet. I don't know what it looks like, but I know what God is calling us to. Josiah, he does, he does two things. The temple and the word. Let us honor God's word and build his church. Let us honor God's word and build his church. And there are so many different expectations that are put on you, I'm sure. There's probably expectations on the sports field. There's probably expectations in academia and where you're gonna go to college and what you're gonna do next, what your future holds. And a lot of it, can we be honest, it can feel overwhelming. Anyone ever had that? You go, so you sit down with your guidance counselor. I remember in high school, sitting down with my guidance counselor and be like, so what do you wanna do with the rest of your life? And I'm like, I don't know, do I have to decide right now? 15 years old, I'm not sure what I wanna do yet. But I remember that, 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 that question being asked. That thought in my mind of, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? I have an expectation now from, from teachers and guidance counselors and, and family and friends and what everyone else is doing. 
And there's going to be wisdom that is found in the Word of God. There's going to be answers to your questions that are found in the Word of God. And can I just tell you this? And a lot of you are like, all right, what school am I going to go to? Open up here. Okay, that's not how it works. <laughs> but God's Word, it's going to lead you. And the most important thing in your life is your relationship with him. The most important thing in your world is how you view God, your understanding of him. And I just want to encourage you, just like Josiah here, I don't know what your, your, your family is, what, what your past looks like, what your generations are, what your friends look like, what kind of peer pressure you're getting, what kind of expectations you're getting. But just he makes a decision to do two things. Build church, honor God's word. Let that be said of us. That no matter what is going on in the world, what expectations other people are putting on us, we honor God's word and we build his church. Amen. Come on, let me pray for you tonight. Father, I thank you for every single student in this room. God, I thank you that you love them that you see them, God, no matter what their past looks like, God, you see them right where they're at and there is grace, forgiveness, love, and mercy because of Jesus afforded to them. And God, I pray if they're in here and they don't know the goodness of God, the grace of God tonight, they would know the saving grace of Jesus. God, let us honor you. Let us honor your word. Let us be obedient to your word and what you have for us. And let us make a decision to build your church. Maybe you're in here tonight, you've never said yes to Jesus. You've never made that decision to make him Lord and Savior of your life. I want to give you that opportunity. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For none are righteous, not even one. The Bible makes it clear, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Lord, you shall be saved. It's you saying, you know what? I have made mistakes. I have messed up. I have fallen short. I believe Jesus is who he says he is and that he can save me. So if you're in here tonight, you wanna to say yes to Jesus, I'm gonna ask you to repeat this prayer after me. We're all gonna say it together, but I want you to do something. In a moment, we're gonna break into crews and I want you to tell your crew leader, your friend who brought you that you said this prayer tonight, that you're making Jesus Lord and Savior of your life. But come on, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, here I am. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness. I wanna follow you all the days of my life. I am now a Christian. Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey church, True North Youth is happening on Wednesday nights right here at our Mullica Hill campus at 7 o'clock. It's from 7 to 8.30 and we really want to cultivate an environment of just relationships and encouragement right here at youth. So no matter where your student finds themselves during the week, whether they have a, a good week at school or a bad week at school or they're struggling in sports or wherever they may find themselves, they can come in on a Wednesday night and experience some encouragement, some hope, some peace that they can come in during praise and worship and have a God encounter. And we really believe that when they come into youth on a Wednesday night, they're gonna leave change, empowered, and encouraged. So we would love to host your students here at youth, seven o'clock right here at our Mullica Hill campus. We would love to see them out.